if we had video for this conversation, you would have seen on my face how hard it was to say that sentence. It's that dumb creator brain, man. You know, if anybody else was in this situation, I'd have no problem pointing them going, look at your fan. But because it's me and my situation, like, you know, you, know, you, you put some sort of like speed bumper or, or I don't know, you diminish it because, you know, again, creator brains are stupid. Welcome to the Under the Mask Podcast, where we discuss the super process behind superheroes. Not just superheroes, aliens, horror, thrillers. If you can find it on a comics page, you can find it here. Here, you'll learn how to make comics from the initial outlines, scripts, and artwork to printing and putting the final book in a bag and board. For many years, Bill Colomb has written his book, Kinetic, and sold thousands of copies across the nation. And now we're inviting you along for an inside look to the comics process. If you're a fan of comic books, a total process junkie, or just looking for more insight into launching your own book, you're in the right place. This is the Under the Mask Podcast, and this is Bill Colomb. Under the Mask Podcast, episode 38. As we head into Thanksgiving, I am just so thankful for my listeners here at Under the Mask. And my guest today has a lot of things that he's thankful for as well. My guest today is a true Renaissance man. He's a musician, film director, comic book writer, and he even was the Aflac Duck on social media. His latest project, Charlie's Spot, is a comic book starring a homeless veteran who goes on an unusual adventure to reclaim his busking spot. You can support Charlie's Spot on Kickstarter by visiting kickstarter.com and searching for Charlie's Spot, or just click on the link in the show notes and description below. I'd like to introduce George O'Connor. George, thank you for coming on Hello. and talking with me today. Absolutely, man. Thank you for, for taking the time out for me. You are a busy, in-demand host. I try, man. It's, uh, <laughs> it seems like a lot of work, but really it's just having conversations with people. Not the worst way to spend your day. Uh, so, George, how we're going to start out, why don't you tell us a little bit about your story? Who are you, and how did you get to be here today? Sure. Uh, I will try and sum this up as quickly as possible. I've been a musician for over 30 years. Um, and I'm still an active musician and along the way started writing, you know, outside of music, uh, and short films turned into a lot of short films turned into a web series called six, six, four, the neighbor of the beast, which is still up on YouTube. If you want to check it out, we did, uh, two seasons, 34 episodes of that. And at the end of that series so that was about two and a half three years of me basically like chasing my tail from you know i would write an episode so we could shoot the episode so i could edit the episode so i could write the next episode you know blah 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 for about two years uh and so when we finished up the second season of 664 uh i was just burnt out and so i wanted to kind of take a break and around that time is when i started to get back into comics and comic con that was around the time when san diego 
Yoga Comic Con, you know, went from this big event to the ridiculous circus it is now. Um, and getting into cons and going to New York Comic Con, San Diego and all this stuff, I sat in a bunch of, you know, how-to panels. Um, and specifically, it was the only how not to break into comics panel in New York Comic Con 2010 that a light bulb went off in my head that comics were a way that I could still do visual cinematic-ish storytelling um, without having to herd the cats of a crew and actors and all that stuff. And that was really what had burnt me out on the web series was, you know, again, that, that, that scheduling so many people um, in a very short amount of time. Uh, and the other thing about short film or, you know, low budget, no budget stuff is the rule. The road is like, don't write what you can't shoot. So don't write an epic pirate movie. If you don't have access to a pirate ship. So, you know, I was, I, I contained my stories to 80% we shot at my house you know because i owned it and the light went off with comics that you get the right artist um you can do whatever you want you got epic space battles you can have pirate sea adventures all that stuff and that reinvigorated my interest in storytelling and uh i happened to be sitting next to a longtime friend and artist griffin s as i often do i get curious and excited about a thing and start babbling about it and playing a whole lot of what ifs and we that you know that weekend we started kicking around ideas what could you do for a graphic novel right like it's one thing to be like we're gonna make a comic we're gonna make a graphic novel but then you're like what are we gonna make and at that time walking dead had just been announced so that was the huge explosion of zombies everywhere and so you know we just looked around it's like all right well what's hot right now okay zombies zombies are everywhere what if we did the opposite of zombies and you know kind of the zombie trope is all of a sudden there's something that happens and everybody starts dying all right well let's reverse it what if suddenly something happens and nobody starts nobody starts dying and we thought that was kind of interesting and then i realized how horrific that scenario would be how chaotic that would be and that was the birth of our first graphic novel healed and healed is exactly that what would happen tomorrow if all life-threatening disease and illness went away today and we kicked it around we created the first issue we brought it to um boston comic-con when it was in the basement of a hotel in i think it was 2010 uh and you know we brought a few copies and the simple idea let's see if any Anybody else finds this interesting and you know at the end of that weekend enough people thought it was interesting that we kept going healed ended up being five issues uh that's now a trade paperback and a new creative avenue for me was born um after healed we did uh, an all ages griffin and i did an all ages reader called baby which is kind of like a clifford meets godzilla story about a baby monster uh accidentally destroying atlantic city in the most adorable way possible while teaching us valuable lessons about never giving up on your hopes and dreams and from there, there is a story that uh, two friends of mine and I that we kicked around uh, the idea of a Santa Claus being kind of a crime noir private eye. And we kicked it around and we'd actually had a script for it um, and then realized we had no way to we didn't know what to do with it. And so we just had this great idea sitting on my laptop. That's kind of when comics came into my life. And so that was the third graphic novel that we worked on it's called silent night and yeah like we say it answers the question what does santa claus do with the rest of his year and so those are the three graphic novels i have 
up until this point. And uh, the reason we are talking now is because on Kickstarter, I am launching uh, my fourth series called Charlie Spot, along with Meredith Laxton as the illustrator. Uh, Ali Pepitone is on colors and Taylor Esposito is doing letters. And I want to get back to Charlie Spot in just a second, George. Uh, but I just wanted to ask you all, Baby Healed Silent Night and presumably Charlie Spot. These are all going to be released through your imprint, Homeless Comics. Well, actually, um, one of the neat things about Charlie Spot is it will be the first book not under the Homeless Comics label. I don't think I can say who it's coming out with yet, but we do have a publisher for that one. So that's another thing that I'm kind of excited about that, you know, if you look at rungs on the ladder, this is one of those rungs that it's taking up. But before then, absolutely. Uh, in, in my heart of hearts, I'm kind of a DIY guy. It, so the first three graphic novels were all independently produced and distributed. Same with all of my music, same with the web series and all these short films as the technology over the years has evolved and the gatekeepers have dropped i've embraced that you know that you don't have to ask permission that if you've got the time and the curiosity and the drive you know you can get your stuff out there now it's soundcloud and bandcamp and itunes for music or comiXology to you know get yourself on a big platform there or just the number of printers that are out there that that make it economic for us to do a small print run of a book whether it's you know a single issue or a graphic novel it's very exciting and it's very freeing um and clearly what i have learned about myself over the years is i really enjoy creating i really enjoy collaborating uh i'm still curious uh i'm still at heart a 12 year old who who likes running up to people screaming look at what i made and you know i'm so fortunate i mean first and foremost i'm incredibly fortunate to be married to my wife tracy who gets who i am understands it and encourages it which i can't thank her enough and i can't be cognizant enough of, of how important that is that you know over the years i still get to do this stuff but then i'm also just so damn fortunate to be surrounded and to find wonderful collaborators who help make these things come to life it's yeah like i said it, i'm very fortunate that the 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 people and the supporters are out there and that technology just keeps making it possible to get my stuff out there and with that uh let's get back to charlie spots George, give us the quick pitch and let's talk about it. Great. So Charlie Spot is about a homeless veteran who suffers a heart attack. And when he returns to his busking spot in the city park, he finds that it has become the epicenter of a turf war between all the other buskers and street performers because it turns out that his spot is the perfect spot to catch people going to work and tourists coming to the park. And in his desperate attempt to get his spot back, he goes on an increasingly bizarre and frustrating adventure around the city. Uh, and through his stories, we learn that his world and the people that surround him are literally and figuratively more magical than he ever thought. It does a couple things at the same time, which uh, was the challenge and what got me excited. It is over the top while being very grounded. It's funny while it can still hit you in the feels. Um, it takes everything seriously and nothing seriously at the same time. What was the initial inspiration for it? So for 10 years, 
Um, I worked in downtown Boston, uh, taking the same train, walking the same route for 10 years. And I would notice the same people, whether however you want to describe them, homeless, buskers, street performers, they all were in the same place every day at the same time. Um, you know, didn't matter the season, the same people were in the same place. And, you know, you, you know this, when you're a writer, you just start asking questions. And the question was like, well, if the same people are in the same spot every day and no, there's got to be some sort of system. There's a system that I don't see that the rest of us don't see, but this group of people there is some sort of agreement some sort of system of who gets to sit up where and so the question was well what is what does that look like what does that sound like and that was the beginning of it that you know behind the world that we see that there's a whole nother world with a whole nother set of rules going on that again we'll never be privy to but for these group of people it influences their life every day and from there you know it just started it started like well well this this guy that we're gonna follow charlie scott how does he end up here and it was around the time there's there's a bunch of media bunch of shows or whatnot that relied heavily on the crazy homeless veteran and it got a little frustrating because it felt so tropey and lazy and I think it also dismissed veterans or anybody dealing with whatever PTSD, whatever mental issues they're dealing with. It dismisses that the vast majority of these people are just living. They're they're they are harmless. They they're not going to hurt anybody. They are not crazy. They're just like all of us. They're just trying to get through the day, dealing with whatever they're dealing with. And so that as a starting spot, you know. Charlie being a, a, a homeless veteran in a sympathetic, simple light. And I think that's really what I wanted is like all of us are two or three steps away from having our worlds turned upside down by no, I don't know, screw up on our part, right? Life can just get lifey and completely throw you upside down. So I wanted to kind of explore that, like that, that quiet uh, struggle. And, you know, the more I thought about Charlie, about what's he going through? How did he get here? I just started falling in love with this guy more and more. And I know that sounds ridiculous because like I created him but you know when you're putting these stories and characters together you find these little puzzle pieces and at the end of it i just love the guy you know i love that while he felt broken he wasn't beaten he's reserved but it doesn't mean he doesn't care about people he's just gone through some stuff and he thinks this is the best best way for him to survive and i kind of wanted to explore him kind of finding out that actually the best thing is to embrace the people around you not kind of wall them off so that that's the heart of the story and around it we put a, a menagerie of buskers and street performers um you know just being over the top and ridiculous and like i said every now and then uh we try and hit you with the human truth it's always tough balancing, you know, a serious problem, a serious human problem with homelessness, yep. you know, and putting that in a fictional setting yep. uh, in doing so. And in doing research for this, did you do any firsthand talking to these uh, homeless people or these buskers? Buskers? Yes. Um, more of the street performer aspect. Um, I do have friends who would do stuff like that. 
we give a shout out to one of them. Her name's Jess. She's she would go into Faneuil Hall and like hula hoop for her lunch. But I'm also lucky. I've got a lot of very good advocates. You know, uh, people people that I know. I can ask them maybe inelegantly questions. And they know it's coming from a good spot and they know I'm ready to listen and be educated. And they will tell me, you know, um, I also do have friends who have been in the army, you know, in the military. My father was in Vietnam. So, you know, you you hear stories and so many of them I don't I'm going to say pedestrian, but that might not be the right word. It's not glamorous. It's life. And, you know, it is it is people who have been dealt the cards that they've been dealt with and they are dealing with it. And again, that was kind of the antithesis to, you know, the what I was seeing on TV, which was like, you know, he's crazy because he's a vet. I'm like, oh, come on. Like, it just it felt it felt lazy and it felt unfair to paint an entire group of people in that brush when we all know. Know, like you know the 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 belly of the bell curve is just people who have had to deal with what they deal with and they are doing the best they can that's what i wanted to show and one of the things i god man did i make sure you know i gut check myself um again shout out to my wife tracy um who also serves the incredible role of like my first reader and just constantly checking in with her and other people to make sure that homelessness that charlie's situation was never where the comedy came from was never where the jokes came from and you know that's that's why we put we surrounded him with a bunch of over-the-top characters you know they can handle the lightness of it all where we can you know and where we can follow charlie have him go through his adventure um and we can we can comment on the ridiculousness of his adventure but he and his situation are never the butt of the joke so george i want you to take me back uh when you had finished the script for charlie spot how did you go about finding the art team sure uh it starts like all good stories with tragedy so originally this book had a different artist her name is meredith moriarty she is a absolutely fantastic wonderful artist we put the pitch together and we sent it around and nothing came of it for a while and then the opportunity to get it published came up and so i reached out to her i said hey someone's interested and she's like you know my life's different she wanted to focus on you know she she had the stuff she had to take care of and she wanted to focus on her web series and i understood that you know i understand that there are so many hours in the day and there's so many creative brain cells that we can tap into and she had her own thing that she not only was she passionate passionate about she's really good at it so she had to step away luck would have it that um i am friends with andy schmidt from comics experience um comics experience was actually my gateway into writing comics i've taken a bunch of their courses and and andy has become a fantastic mentor and friend over the years um he just so happened to be coming back from a portfolio review at uh scad and I was kind of telling him the situation, telling him, and he's like, well, I just came back from SCAD and there's some really good artists there. What style are you thinking? And so I threw him out some ideas and he sent back Meredith Laxton's portfolio and she blew me away. It just, like I said, this is a, Charlie Spot is, is a bit of a high wire act where we want to be entertaining. We want to be engaging and funny, but it's, it's not supposed to be campy. And she just had this wonderful human aspect to her art that 
just felt perfect. And we talked and it just so happened that the the story mattered and the characters we were going to explore hit her in the right way. So we got, I got very fortunate that I got Meredith on board, um, that she was digging the story we were going to tell and that she was available. And I mean, I tell you this from the bottom of my heart. I have no doubt that the reason I'm working with Meredith is because I got to her first. In no time, I believe we're going to see a rocket strapped to her back and she's just going to keep going. If she wants to stay in comics and storytelling, she will be able to do whatever she wants. She is an incredibly gifted storyteller on her own. So to bring that knowledge and expertise and passion to Charlie Spot elevated the story in such a way. And beyond just beyond her putting, you know, pen to paper, she's an incredibly talented artist and story visual storytelling that way. But she is a fantastic storyteller on her own. So she found ways to elevate beats, to, to push and pull moments perfectly. I had an ending to this book that I really liked. And then we had one conversation and what she pitched was exponentially better than what I had. And I'm so fortunate, you know, like I'm a create, I'm a collaborator by heart. I love talking to creative people. I love working with them. I love kicking ideas around. And so to have somebody like her who was game for that, who wasn't afraid to share ideas. And I mean, I'm telling you, man, I can't think of one idea, whether it was a story idea or a layout idea that she pitched that I didn't go with because it was right. It was good. So Meredith Laxton came on board um, and the book is gorgeous and her pages blew me away every day. Um, and in kind of just the, I don't know, cosmos of it all, I'm beyond thrilled that to, to have Meredith Laxton on this book. And at the same time, Meredith Moriarty just got Eisner nominated for her webcomic Third Shift Society. So really, I think everything worked out about the way it was supposed to. And then uh, once we started cranking out, we, I cannot say we, it's like, we gave birth. No, the dude did not give birth. While Meredith was cranking out pages, the search for a colorist came along. And Allie, and Allie Pepitone, her name came up. Uh, she, Meredith knew her and Allie's colors is I wish I had the language to talk about her colors because I really feel very Neanderthalish just going it's really pretty but her colors explode off the page while being rich while being almost painterly at times she and Meredith became such a perfect wonderful art team you know, and and God, God bless Meredith, uh, because I could kind of use her as a translator sometimes. And I got to double the fun of, you know, one day I would get pages from Meredith and I'd be over the moon. And then another day I would get Allie's colors and I'd be over the moon. It really like the production took a long time. Actually, I found the original emails. Uh, Meredith and I first chatted on July 4th, 2018. That's when we agreed to do the book together. And it, we've been working at it ever since. So we've got Meredith kicking ass. We've got Allie kicking ass. And all along, I was planning on lettering the book. And yeah, the, the true fact of the matter is my lettering would be 
fine. Um, I've I've lettered all of my books up until this point. Uh, I feel like I've gotten better. Uh, I'm also cognizant that there's a lot for me to learn, but nobody's ever going to pick up my book, look at the lettering and go, ew, and put it back down. No one's going to get lost as they work their way through the page. It would have been fine, but man, it hit me when Meredith is turning in pages and elevating the book. When Allie is putting her colors in there and elevating the book, it just hit me. I can't be fine when Meredith and Allie are doing such good work. And I mean, and on my end, uh, our mutual friend, Rich Duick, um, I brought him on to be the editor of the book because I wanted me to be as good as possible. I wanted the story to be as good as possible. And some of the conversations I've had with Rich have been amazing. Like this is before Charlie Spot. It's the reason I asked him to be the editor on it. He is so good at breaking down story and finding little moments and little little things that when you kind of put a spotlight on it elevates the whole thing. So, you know, I bring Rich on to make sure I'm as good as possible. Meredith is wonderful. Allie's wonderful. And like I said, I can't then be put fine lettering on top of this. Like what's that's like getting to the 10 yard line and go, let's kick the field goal. So the search for, you know, a, a true professional letterer began. And that led us to Taylor Esposito, who's a rock star in his own right. I mean, he's a great letterer, but what blew me away and and made him the guy is you can go to any comic book store on Wednesdays and find stuff from him from, you know, on image on dark horse. But what nailed it for me is I was at a small convention uh, in Connecticut and I'm walking up and down artist alley, you know, just, just guys, just grinders with their tables, with their self-published stuff. And I saw in one of the books that Taylor had lettered it. And so I started flipping through it and I realized like Taylor puts as much care and thought and passion and time into the small indie books as he does the dark horses and the images and that type of professionalism is is well you know what it's sexy you know as i have gotten older i am more attracted to true professionals and working with true professionals and just seeing that you know again seeing this guy who had 25 copies of his book at this con and seeing how much care went into taylor's lettering just sold me on it because i knew he was going to take this as seriously as i did he was going to put as much care as meredith and ally put in do it and he could elevate the book through his letters and that is the very long story of how the four of us along with rich and huge shout out to our proofreader beth scorzato you know this is this is the team that brought the book to life um, I actually want to hop over to your Kickstarter page. I'm bringing it up in the yeah. uh, background here. And just so everybody knows, talking right now, it is launch day. You launched earlier today. Yes. Uh, you are just about yeah. at 1700 out of a $4,000 goal. So pushing up to 50% pretty quick. What else are you excited about for Charlie's Spot and for this Kickstarter campaign? Truly, I love this book. And I'm blown away that I get to tell this story with Meredith, Allie, and Taylor. So... I am excited about sharing my excitement with other people. Like I said, two plus years in the making, having this thing sitting on my laptop for as long as it has, knowing how good it is, knowing the love and the passion that has gone into it. I just want people to see this because I think when they see it and they read it, they'll love it. 
it is the type of comic that I really enjoy, but until this moment hadn't attempted and I'm, you know, it, not that I want to like break my arm off or anything. I'm really happy with how it came out. I love books like Terry Moore's strangers in paradise or motor girl. Uh, and the other two that I reference is, uh, you know, Scotty young has a bunch of books, but his middle West and I hate fairyland. All four of those books blow me away because they do find a way to thread that needle of being funny or humorous or over the top or ridiculous while still being grounded and human and hitting you with earned emotional moments. I love those books. Um, and also while still being kind of like embracing the media of comics and, and doing what comics can do that, you know, can't be done or done as well in other media. It's an incredible Venn diagram that when I do come across books like that, it's like watching Up Close Magic. And it was something I wanted to try and do with Charlie. So there's also the the alchemist in me who just wants to see if it worked. You know, uh, we're going to we're going to throw some elements together and throw it out into the world and see how people react to it. I am so excited for people to discover Meredith and Allie. They're both young talented and if they want it incredible careers ahead of them you know if i'll blow up meredith a little more she has another book coming out in the spring of 2021 with joe illage called mpls sound it's i believe it's a full graphic novel but between you know charlie and mpls god man i'm hoping that a whole lot of people will know who she is by you know around this time next year if not earlier I love finding and discovering new things and new artists. And um, now I get to kind of be on the other end where, you know, through this Kickstarter campaign and through me not shutting up about it, I get to introduce people to Meredith and to Allie. And I can't think of anybody who follows comics who doesn't know Taylor, but, you know, maybe we'll in maybe those last five or six people who don't know who Taylor Esposito is, they'll find out what a hell of a letter he is. And as far as like diving into the campaign, there are seven original pages from the book that are available through the campaign. Seven of Meredith's inked pages uh, through the book. And uh, two of them are already off the board. So, you know, there's, there's a chance for people to own parts of the book. The reason in the campaign I'm putting together a process book is really just to show off Meredith's pens and inks, you know, so you can you can see that part of it. And, you know, for for five more people, you know, they can own an 11 by 17 original page of it. So that's it, man. For t for two plus years, these people have made me so goddamn happy and have made me love a story that I already loved, made me love characters I already loved even more. So I just, you know, I love the book. But man, I'm really excited about turning spotlights onto Meredith, Allie, and Taylor. I have no doubt that the Kickstarter is going to fund and uh, help you in your quest to do that. Thank you, man. It's it's very cool. You know, again, I know you're you're a creator, and all of us creators are are not immune to that stupid part of our brain that tells us nobody cares. Why are we doing this? But you know, on a day like today, where I get to check in on that Kickstarter every now and then and see somebody else has come in some people have come in and just blown me away with their generosity and you know what i'm starting to see names that have backed the last three or four kickstarters um and they aren't friends or family members they are you know they're legitimate fans 
who dig the stories that I help create and to see those people, you know, again, literally who, who only know me through the creative stuff and through Kickstarters who were there on day one, that feels really good. And, and, you know, on just a getting better type of feel, it's great to have that ammunition in my head for when the stupid part of my brain starts kicking in. It's like, no, look, you know, look at these people who showed up on day one because you know, pick a reason. They dig me. They dig Meredith. They dig Allie. They dig Taylor. They dig the story. It's it's fantastic. It's fantastic. And this is actually yeah. Well, this is also the biggest Kickstarter I've tried to run. Partially because I want to see if I can do it, and partially because I think the story deserves it. So even with all this extra kind of like stress and raising the bar that I've done to myself, this is about the most relaxed I've been on a day one so far. It's it's been a good day. It's been a good day, and seeing people like you and other people, whether it's on Facebook or Twitter, to just take the time to plug it to share it with other people, it's just an absolute wonderful feeling. And it's so hard to say that as a newer creator, uh, just to look at people who are consuming your work and say they are a fan, you know, not uh, oh, why are these guys following me? Just <laughs> you have a fan base. If we had video for this conversation, you would have seen on my face how hard it was to say that sentence. It's that dumb creator brain man you know if anybody else was in this situation i'd have no problem pointing them going look at your fan but because it's me and my situation like you know yeah you you put some sort of like speed bumper or or i don't know you diminish it because you know again creator brains are stupid but like you know i can look at it right now i don't i think it's at maybe 58 59 people that's you know only a few of them are my family members so you know that's it's it's a tremendous it's a tremendous feeling and i got really excited when two people already bought Allie's pages uh, i'm sorry meredith's pages we've got this special award so like so you know meredith and i would have and bill you would have done this too we would have been at conventions all year but we didn't get to do that so one of the things that we set up through the kickstarter is kind of a way to like directly support uh meredith and myself we've got some tiers where you know if you had come out come across our our convention booths this is what we would have had for sale and you can you know kind of we call it like you know the meredith convention experience or the george convention experience experience and i was psyched when i saw that somebody had gone through and and bought the meredith convention experience she's offering five mini comics a pin a sticker and 10 free prints or nine free prints that's you know you get kind of like a wonderful wonderful uh buffet of of what she has to offer and i'm psyched that that backer uh and i know who he is um and he is a fan of mine um that he's gonna get kind of like the, the full meredith experience i'm so psyched for him what does the future hold for you, for Charlie Spot, and for Homeless Comics? All right. So the future right now is we, you know, we're going to, this campaign ends on the, on uh, midnight of the 28th. At that point, we'll decide what to do with Charlie. It could go, well, it really could go one of three ways. Do we bring the next issue to Kickstarter? Do we bring the graphic novel to Kickstarter or do we do something else? So that's what we're going to figure out. I do know that one way or another, the entire series will be released next year, which again, I I'm, I'm absolutely thrilled for, um, you know, for me as a creator, for me as a, a learner in this industry, uh, and me as just a fan of the book. So that's, that will be happening. And those dominoes are still being figured out. 
And as far as Homeless Comics, it is wonderful that, you know, over these 10 years that Homeless Comics has been up and running, I've kind of, by accident, gained a whole lot of knowledge about independent comics that if a new idea strikes me and I'm able to find the right creators, that there's always that avenue to get these stories out. I'm not done learning about any of that by any stretch of the imagination, but it is kind of neat to know that there are kind of these skills that can get these stories out there and, you know, kind of doubling back. There is apparently a base interested in what I do next. That was kind of partially all BS because there are always so many stories I am want to tell and, and looking to tell. It's, you know, it's, it's a lot of, oh, just the way Meredith came into, into Charlie's spot. A lot of it is just, you know, the stars lining up. So, you know, we'll keep seeing what happens. Keep, you know, eye on Twitter and, and finding, finding fantastic artists and see what happens next. What have been the biggest obstacles or challenges that you faced and how did you overcome them? Sure. Uh, if uh, there are two and I'll go with, I'd say one physical, one mental. If, you know, I've already alluded to it a bunch. The mental is just the imposter syndrome you know the the dumb lizard brain of my head that you know is that stupid useless voice that says nobody cares why are you trying that is something i is a constant work in progress and i'm getting better i still got a long ways to go the way i have worked on improving that you know i i read an interview with neil gaiman and neil gaiman said i i still have imposter syndrome and that was eye-opening because if neil gaiman is going to say he still has imposter syndrome then obviously the part of our brain that fires off imposter syndrome that's just baked into us as human beings and you know you can go into it it's part of the you know the lizard brain and and what's reacting is it, it wants to keep you safe and you know you by creating and putting stuff out there you could get hurt your brain doesn't truly understand it so it says no don't try you might get hurt you know and that was great when we were running from saber tigers and all that stuff um but launching a kickstarter is not the same as you know being chased by a bear or something like that. So what I do is I try to be very cognizant of the tangible wins. You know, some of the stuff we've talked about here. This is my sixth comic-related Kickstarter. I have funded the other five. That's real. I have seen people come back to these Kickstarters time after time. That's real. Um, when there were conventions, um, you know, I think probably you've experienced this. You hit the same convention year after year. You start recognizing people. They start recognizing you. And there is a, there's a small group, but I love them, who show up to my table every year, ask what's new. And without hesitating, they buy whatever's new. That's real. And so, like I said, I try and be very cognizant to log and clock those very real moments for when my brain does kick into that stupid size. Like, no, 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 here's the counterbalance. So, and that, like I said, that is an absolute work in progress, especially now that, you know, I have a, I have an 11 year old son and man, all I want to do is make sure he doesn't have to step on the same potholes that I did, that he doesn't have to do the same, uh, I don't know, mental spackling that I've been, that I've been doing. Yeah. Learn, um, learn from your mistakes. Yeah. You hope, you know, but man, it is, it is interesting being on the other side of like every now and then you're like, okay, I've tried to tell you 29 times not to touch the hot stove, touch the hot stove. Now you're sad. I'm here to help you. But now you know, you know, this is what I was talking about. All right. So that's the intangible part. The tangible part. The other thing I struggle with is simply time. 
between day jobs, wanting to be a good husband and partner, wanting to be a good father and still be creative with a lot of plates in the air. Time is absolutely the thing that I struggle with the most. So the two things I'm trying to get better at when it comes to that one, and it's, it's, this is also mental too. celebrate the wins when they do happen. Like right now I'm working with a friend on a feature script. And the fact of the matter is there's probably about a one hour window every Saturday, basically when I drop my son off at his karate. That's one hour in my car where I know I can write. So, you know, this script has been moving along nicely, but at a five to seven page clip a week. It probably not too long ago, I would have looked at that as a loss, but I've looked at it, you know, I've, I've repositioned it as a win because I've moved the thing forward. And that just also goes into just being kind to yourself like this. All our situations are our situations. It's not good or bad or evil. It just is. So I am trying to, like I said, be kind to myself and celebrate progress. And the flip side of that is I'm trying to be more cognizant of my time. Be aware of like, all right, if I'm going to pick up a controller and play some Xbox, is it because I'm bored or is it actually kind of medicinal? Like I need some time to just zone out and do something else. So the creative side of my brain can either chew on whatever it's working on or, you know, just rest. So when it comes to time, like I said, one is being more conscious of my choices and then also being kind and celebrating the wins. What do you feel has been your biggest mistake? Oh, simply letting that stupid voice take control. I mean, there's, it's kind of, I don't know if you do this, but like, you know, there's like a task you need to do for me. Usually it's like read emails and respond to emails and you spend days, weeks, less like putting it off and dreading it. And then finally you sit down and do it and it's done in 15 minutes and you just sit back and you're like, why did I waste two weeks bitching and moaning about writing this email when it could have just been, you know, a 15 minute thing. So that's, that's the biggest mistake is giving the stupid part of my brain more control than it deserves because it's not getting me to where I want to go. Like, you know, like I said, I've been, I've been a creative for, this is going to hurt to say, but like over 30 years at this point, if I didn't have armor to get through this, I still wouldn't be doing it. And I still wouldn't be as excited to create as I was when I was 17. So like everything I'm afraid of, like I've lived through all of it. I was in a metal band after Nirvana hit. Nobody gave a shit about metal after Nirvana hit. I can survive anything. I survived in a metal band from the early 90s. You know, so that's part of it is, you know, like I said, don't don't let the stupid part of your brain derail what will make you happy. And on the flip side of that coin, what has been your best moment? <sighs> I'm going to go with something intangible. Uh, Cause I can't think of a best moment. I think one of the things I actually like about getting older is I am so much more aware and cognizant of the support I have people who I think are talented um, and dedicated and professional think I'm talented, dedicated and professional, and they give me their time and their effort and their insights. You know, it, when I do actually make the smart move of taking a breath and stepping back and kind of looking at everything that blows me away. There are people out there who believe in what I'm doing, who believe in me and want to see my stuff come to life and are, like I said, are willing to give me their time, their effort and their talents. That's humbling and energizing all at the same time. So, you know, to try and wrap it up, 
the best part is the other creative people I'm so fortunate to be surrounded by. I love them to death, all of them. Starting out, what was the best advice that you received? Don't ask for permission. You know, doubling back to the beginning of this conversation, whatever creative media you want to explore, it's now really easy to get your stuff out there and get seen. So, you know, the the don't wait for gatekeepers. Don't wait for somebody to give you permission. That's the best advice. And then what came a little after that, and I found just as possible, your first draft exists solely to be done. Not only is it not supposed to be perfect right out of the gate, it won't be. And once you give yourself permission to not be perfect out of the gate, so many more barriers drop that you can just try things to see what happens. Like the biggest example I always go back to is look at the first season of The Simpsons. Look at the first few episodes. Skip ahead 20 years. They don't look the same, you know, Um, but the heart of the idea was there and then they got better. That's what we're all doing. We're all just trying to get better as creatives. The only way you get better is to finish a thing, finish a thing, share it with the world and learn what worked, learn what didn't roll it into the next thing. That's the other, you know, piece of advice you know the first draft exists solely to be done so finish it so you can learn from it so you can make it better george thank you again so much for coming on everyone listening charlie's spot it's live right now on kickstarter it's going through just about the end of the month it ends november 28th george where else can we find you online on twitter i am at lazy horde a l a z y h o r d e and then you can also find me on facebook under homeless comics we homelesscomics.com is also the website and if you're curious enough to see everything that i create i've got kind of an umbrella site called making stuff with george we'll be sure to leave all those links in the show notes and description below thank you man george thank you again so much for coming on and talking with me today it's been a pleasure thank you for giving me the opportunity i love talking about this stuff and i really enjoyed talking with you thank you if you know a creator that makes comic books or any other media and think they'd be a good fit for the show drop us a line at under the mask show at gmail.com you've been listening to the under the mask podcast with bill cologne welcome to the family if you're a fan of comic books a total process junkie or just looking for more insight into launching your own book you found the right podcast for you thanks for listening and make sure to like or leave a review and we'd appreciate it if you'd tell a friend or two to reach out visit us at under the this has been a presentation of why comics till next time this is the under the mask podcast signing off